Screw it, screw it, we're just going to talk about comics. Welcome to Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics, the podcast that discusses comic books as they are thought about by two brothers. One of those brothers is me, Kevin Hines. And I'm the uh, other brother, Will Hines. Yeah, and we are UCB performers and comedians and teachers. So uh, that's the UCB Theater, Upright Citizens Brigade, and that's based in New York and Los Angeles. Will is in Los Angeles, and I am on the other end of a Skype call here in New York. We're using all kinds of technology to get this insanely organized podcast to you. Yeah, this is cutting-edge stuff. Um, uh, This season of our podcast, we are discussing the Fantastic Four, uh, the Marvel comic book, specifically the 1960s issues, the initial run by creators Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Yeah, we are covering 102 issues plus annuals. Mm-hmm. Which I'm starting to realize more and more was too many. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Kevin, the issues we're doing today, last up, last batch of issues we did, I said were so good that we might not be worthy to cover them. The issues we're doing today are 100 times as good. Wow. I, I find them just as good, but more famous, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, they're definitely more important. But I, I, I loved those last four issues, and I think these three issues are just more... I, to me, they're all part of the same. We're in the middle of a run of comics where I think that when Jack Kirby made them, they're so good. I think while he was drawing them, he transformed into a being of pure light. Do you think... He knew, or Jack or Stan, either of them or both of them knew how good these issues were when they were making them? That's a good question. I feel like Kirby must have had a lot of confidence in himself because he was so prolific that I don't imagine he had a lot of like self-doubt. So maybe he always kind of thought this, but they must have at least had that like, huh, that was, pretty, that was a pretty good one there or something. Yeah, I mean, just even comparing it to the Frightful Four or some of the stuff that came before it, were they in these and going like, oh, I really like what we did here? I wonder. Because I, I think about that, too, with the uh, Master Planner saga that we covered for Spider-Man. And I do think Steve Ditko and Stan, I think, for sure knew, oh, these three issues are something else. Yeah. And I think Steve Ditko put more into them. So they I, I, I got to imagine he knew that he was firing on all cylinders there. And I sort of suspect the same thing here. They probably didn't realize how big these issues were going to be. Yeah. But I, I can't conceive of somebody making this and going, well, this is just as good as um, the next storyline with him. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, this is okay, they said to themselves. Yeah. I don't know. They, yeah, they must... I, I bet you they underestimated the impact it would have. I mean, I doubt they understood how big all of Marvel would become, you know? Like, yeah. So... Though maybe um, Stan had an inkling because he was I, pushing... He thought it could be Mickey Mouse or whatever. They must have known that they're hitting stories better than they were, like, in the first 20 issues or whatever. Like, they're doing them more consistently and stuff. I'm just seeing when the cartoon started. Uh, the cartoon started in 67, and these issues are 66. So they're only a year away from Hanna-Barbera making a cartoon, like a year and a half. Okay, so, yeah. And if you assume they made the cartoon before it aired... Not during the there airing. wasn't a, wasn't a live filming of yeah. somebody drawing that you have to assume it was shortly after this storyline that that started yeah so they must they must have known oh we're into something now 
Yeah. So uh, specifically what we're doing in this episode is the Galactus trilogy, three three issues which introduce the characters of Galactus and the Silver Surfer, famous villains in the comic book universe. Um, so it's important just for the impact those characters would have. But also these issues are incredible. <laughs> yeah. Probably other than Doctor Doom, Galactus is the most famous adversary of the Fantastic Four, even though he's not a typical adversary. Yeah, and it's um, it becomes something that we, you know, we can look back at Jack Kirby's career and we can see that Galactus is the kind of thing he's just like really good at, like just god level mythic characters being introduced. Um, he, you know, if Steve Ditko is really great at the internal insecure teenager, Kirby is great at gods. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so, and this is this is one of his big ones. This is the big one. I would say this, and then Dark Side. And then Jeffrey Gideon. Yeah, right. And then Jeffrey Gideon, billionaire. Yep. Those are the three big ones. Those are the three Kirby characters. Yeah. Maybe we should get into it. Yeah. I think that's the next thing we should do. All right. So we're, talk- we're talking about issues 48, 49, and 50. And just if you're keeping track at home, the next batch we're going to cover is 51, 52, and 53. Uh, and then we're going to go into huge chunks again. Yeah. Then we're going to just blow through like a million stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, 48, 49, and 50. So issue 48, The Coming of Galactus. This is like one of the most famous covers in FF, you know, other than like issue one or something. Um, yeah, I would say so. I'd say this is the second most famous cover. We're seeing the Watcher, um, the most interfering of non-interfering celestial creatures. Yes, the Watcher's uh, MO or what it's supposed to be is that he sits up on the moon and watches Earth Mm-hmm. It sees what's happening because so much stuff is happening and reports on it to his species and then never does anything. He's just a scientist watching it. But I'd say every 10 uh, issues, he shows up and alters the course of human history. <laughs> yeah, he alters. He basically says, I'm not going to help, but I'm going to leave this thing here or <laughs> warn you that something's about to happen. But uh, I'm not going to say what. So he, <laughs> he like he nudges a lot. What's the name of his race again? I know his like real name is Owatu, right? O-A-T-U or something like that. I didn't know his race had a name other than the Watchers. Okay, yeah. Um, I think it's like one of those things where when you get like the Marvel handbook and there's like a page, everybody's, I don't know, there's a bunch of information. He's the Watcher. He's a big bald baby, wears a toga, and he doesn't interfere, but also alters the course of human history. So on the cover, he is looking at something, we don't know what it is, and he looks terrified, and he's on the streets of New York, and there's just like dozens and dozens of people gathered and looking also sort of Godzilla style aghast and the FF or everyone just looks scared. And the title is the coming of Galactus, a person we don't know who that is at the time this comic comes out. Has not been mentioned in previous issues. He's not shown on the cover. It's just like, this is a big deal. It's so weird not to even show like a shadow of him. It's just one of the many things where it's 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 both bad and good that there was basically like no real editorial oversight for Stan and Jack. Like bad side, you got a lot of inconsistent stories. The good side, they were free to do kind of innovative experimental stuff that worked. Like, yeah, don't show the villain on the front page. It's also, this is where also in a stretch where Jack Kirby was sort of starting and ending his stories wherever he wanted, not necessarily on the first and last page. So when we start the story... We're not even in the Galactus story for seven or eight pages. Yeah, we're still in the inhuman. We're by the we're the Inhumans' great refuge, yeah. where Black Bolt has taken the crown from his crazy half brother or whatever Maximus. Yeah, and at the, the end the of the last Inhumans- issue, mm-hmm. Maximus the Mad, uh, brother of the King, turned on his Atmo gun, mm-hmm. and we don't know what that did. Sounds bad though. 
I mean, he seemed like he was planning it to not do nice things. I mean, Jack definitely drew Maximus like a man who never blinks. Like, that dude's eyes are <laughs> wide open and he looks insane. Yeah, this is like a young John Malkovich would play this role. Yeah. John Malkovich on, like, two bottles of Adderall and a, and a, <laughs> and a mug of coffee would be Maximus. Um, yeah, so we're open and we're, the FF are being all thrown around by the impact of the Atmo gun. And I think, like, what, Maximus gets mad that it doesn't destroy everything or something like that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite. I think it, it, the gun itself can't sustain itself and it explodes or something, right? At some point, Maximus says to Black Bolt, The deed is done, Black Bolt. By now, all human life on Earth has been ended. Only we and humans remain. The entire planet is ours, my speechless brother. <laughs> what a conversation. I mean, like, jeez yeah. Louise. It's good to remind the readers that Black Bolt does not speak so that they don't wonder why Stan has not put a word balloon by him. Black Bolt smacks his brother down. And yeah. then um, Medusa uses a television. And FF, there's always televisions nearby that can show you anything on Earth. And there's a television nearby that shows yeah. that human life has not ended. They've just all been kind of knocked to the ground. Yeah, it's just been irritating. Just a lot of, like, plates were pushed off of tables. So Maximus has a second plan, um, which is somehow reversing the charge of the Atmo gun, and it seals the Great Refuge off from the, from the rest of Earth with some sort of impenetrable force bubble, and the FF are stuck outside of it. Yeah, they call it the negative zone, which is a name they'll use for what they're currently calling subspace. So these names shuffle around in a bit, but for now they're calling this barrier around the Inhumans' home world uh, or the home city the negative zone. So the negative zone initially is some force bubble material, and then later it becomes the name of an alternate universe. That's right. It's sort of like saying, hey, I've invented a bulletproof vest, and it's made of Canada. And then later I'm like, you know what? No, Canada is the name of a country. Yeah. I think it was a smart choice. It's like, this name is cool. We should use it for something that we can revisit a lot versus yeah. this bubble that was one storyline. A part of the impact of the FF now being outside of this force bubble is Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, is separated from Crystal, an inhuman, who he's in love with. I mean, he's had like two conversations with her, and he's fully in love. And well, he she's goes, in love with him. And it's not one-sided. I, I apologize. They're, yes, they're both in love, and Torch tries to, you know, burn through the force bubble, but it's to no avail. The, the negative zone force bubble is too strong, and so the FF have no choice but to sort of walk away right now. And that's kind of the yeah. end of the Inhumans. We walk away from the Inhumans for a little bit. Yeah, this is big bubble over their place, which is, I don't even know where it is. It's like in uh, Tibet or something. I've always pictured it in Tibet, but I don't know if they actually even say that. Yeah. Um, um, it's, de it's definitely in Asia. Okay. Again, and I still feel the Inhumans have an East European sort of youth hostile vibe, but that has right. never been backed up or said by anybody but me. So by putting them in Asia, they're still sort of weird foreigners that make you distrust them. Uh, and they're the ones who built the wall. <laughs> um, all right. So now... And this um, is all page seven. So this is basically where last issue ends. You know, halfway through page seven. Yep. And now we begin the current issues adventure, which is a hard cut to a silver man on a surfboard uh, just streaking through space. <laughs> It is 
a crazy concept. <laughs> this character <laughs> you just, should not work. Should not work. I mean, here here comes like one of the most famous characters in Marvel Comics, like super popular, uh, you know, pretty much beloved from the moment he's introduced and doesn't ever really go away, right? Like the Silver Surfer is always in play in the Marvel Universe, right? He, he shows yeah. up pretty consistently forever starting now. Yeah. He's well, a player. But his introduction is just a hard cut to him. I mean, it's an insane. Can you imagine a movie where, like, ten minutes in, it's just a cut to a dude in space on a surfboard? And the I cap- can't. The caption is so funny. A be- uh, uh, the the two captions. This is at the bottom of page um, seven. Uh, but life goes on, and somewhere in the deep vastness of outer space, an incredible figure hurtles through the cosmos. A being whom we shall call the Silver Surfer, for want of a better name. Which is basically like, Stan, you're naming the characters. You're just saying you couldn't come up with a better name for this or something. I mean, he is a silver guy on a surfboard. I think you came up with the right name for him. And it works. Everything about this guy works. If, uh, if this comic are... book was full script, like, you know, <laughs> like, which is how a lot of comics are done nowadays, where someone like, writes out a script and describes what the artist should draw, and then yeah. the artist has some freedom, but he has got more of a map to what he's doing. Where yeah. back here... Stan and Jack would have talked over a story, and then Jack would have drawn a story and gone like, I'm going to throw in a guy on a surfboard. Right, right. Because I think it'll look cool, and I'm drawing it. But instead of a writer came up with this, and in the writing he had said, then we cut to outer space where a man in a full bodysuit of silver rides a surfboard, commonly yep. used to ride waves in the water. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, it looks great. The top of page eight, there's like a, a panel that goes across the entire row where it's the surfer sort of dodging a bunch of uh, meteorites or something like that. Just full color, bright space. I mean, it looks really fun. I think they're asteroids, right, if they don't come to Earth? Um, I'm not aware of the technology. I call them spacey rocks. Okay. And um, But the surfer looks really cool. Um, he is cruising on by the Skrull world, and um, Skrulls seem to be totally up on who this guy is and what's going on. Yeah, uh, the Skrulls who... We're bad guys, but have since told us that they will never bother Earth again. It's they're in the fifth quadrant of the Andromeda galaxy. They say here, so that's interesting information. Oh, no, they're meteor, they're meteoroids, is what they are. Oh, thank you for checking that. Yeah, it's weird. But it's a meteor once it enters our atmosphere. It's a meteoroid in space. I don't know. Okay, uh, who cares? The surfer's fun because he has a surfboard in a medium where there is no air. Um, so what's he surfing on? Dark matter? Who knows? Uh, I mean, we didn't know about dark matter back then. Maybe Stan invented dark matter. Maybe Steve Ditko did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's most people would say that he, Steve Ditko, invented Daredevil's costume, not Wally Wood, <laughs> and dark matter. I think Steve Ditko designed the moon landing. Okay, so um, the surfer, uh, it impl- by by him being on a surfboard implies that the image of a surfboard, since he's never been to Earth. And he therefore couldn't have copied Earth surfboards. That both Earth surfboards and the surfers' surfboards are inspired by some separate, further upstream image, and that surfboards are just an archetypical mythological image that show up in various civilizations. That's what this is implying. That like it's also crazy because this surfboard, at least initially, I don't think it shows us anymore, has like a little rudder on the bottom. <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is not. A board that just is similar to our surfboards. This is a surfboard you would buy at a surfboard shop. You could take this to the North Shore of Oahu and 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 catch some gnarly waves. 
Okay, so the Skrulls know who the Surfer is, and they know that if the Surfer is there, that Galactus can't be far behind, and that terrifies them. And they order the entire uh, the entire Skrull solar system, not just the planet, but the Skrull solar system, to be blacked out. Yeah, they just turn off the lights. Which I, it's weird that they, they have that ability, but they can somehow send out a call to the entire. Also, I thought it was just a planet, but right here they're they conquerors. This- they're conquerors. They have a whole solar system, which they're going to... Everyone just shut off the lights and hide. The silver surfers The silver surfers coming by. So then we cut back to Earth. The FF are in their huge passenger jet that they flew to the great, the great Refuge. And they're flying back, and they see two suns up in the sky. And this is when Jack Kirby is really starting to unleash himself, I think. Yeah. Two, two suns is a real Jack Kirby move, you know? It's like... Steve Ditko, a move is like a rent stub check from your landlord that says you're behind. Jack Kirby's like, I need two stars in the sky. Yeah, the first sentence is also, how come there's two suns up there in the sky today? <laughs> it's a relatively calm question from, I assume, Johnny? Yeah. No, it's Ben. Ben who asks it. Uh, there's two suns, and then the second one fills the sky. And so by the time the FF are landing in New York City... The sky is filled with flame. I mean, it looks biblical. Like, we're looking like 12 plagues of Egypt-style stuff going on here. Yeah. Uh, this, is, would be the, this would be the most terrifying thing that ever happened to me if today when I was walking to work, the skies were filled with flames. So, And we cut to New York City, and people are just panicking. They are running around and screaming. The torch gets out of the plane to investigate. First of all, he can fly quickly so he can get to something close. Also, it's flame. He's made of flame. Maybe he'll be able to figure it out. But a weird thing happens, which um, the crowd assumes that this is the doing of the human torch. And some of the passerbys somehow get a hold of a working fire hose and and douse him. And they just immediately start attacking him. These guys are famous, beloved heroes that that are just known by everybody. But they just instantly have the gumption to go after him. Yeah, you would think if the sky filled with flames, the first thing they would think is, let's call the human torch to help. To help us. I've seen him absorb flames. He's a, we know him, he doesn't wear a mask. He's a friend of the city. Nope, they attack. And then uh, Ben, oh, so now the FF are off, off their passenger jet and they're on one of their jet cycles. And the thing jumps off of it to get into the fray and help Johnny. He says it's clobber in time. And this is one of my favorite parts of the book. Some dude... Some tough, and it's a typical Marvel tough, which means he looks like he's 45 years old. Um, there's no, like, young toughs in the Marvel universe. They're all, no. they're all, they're all union guys in the mid-40s. <laughs> um, walks up to the thing and punches him in the face. And, like, you can see that he's made of stone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is this guy? You have to be pretty angry to take a swing at the thing. I mean, I would say punch the Hulk first, at least it's skin. At least it's skin. I mean, the thing doesn't even move. And then the next panel, you pointed this out. It looks like the dude tries to punch him in the junk. Tries to punch thing in the groin in the middle of page 12. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess is, I guess it's a slightly less dumb move. It's like, well, maybe if I hit him in his rock Genitals, I can like cause some pain. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. He says a belt in the Labanza will knock the wind out of your sails. And I don't know what that means. I'm just assuming from context, he means the, the, the family jewels. And the thing knocks him over by flicking his finger. I love this panel. And I love the big sound effect too. Plink! And like knocks the dude over. No knocks shame. him out. Yeah, knocks, knocks him completely out. out with just like a little flick of his finger. I think the dude should not be ashamed. The thing is made of earth. Okay, so then we. The, human, the FF still don't know what's going on. We cut back to the surfer, and he is approaching the Earth. And uh, you know what, Kevin? I'm excited. 
Yeah, it's it's basically just shots of him flying with lots of uh, narration from Stan, like Silver Surfer's not talking to anybody. We don't know what he's up to, but it's just like, here comes Galactus. And we know that Stan's really happy doing this because I think the two characters, I read in some interview that Stan said the two Marvel characters that he was the most personally excited about were Spider-Man and the Silver Surfer, that those are the ones that he really liked writing dialogue for and like, and having in his books. Um, he would actually like take the surfer away from Kirby and do a book with, I think. John Bus- Buscema? Buscema? Yeah. Buscema? Um, Buscema? Buscema? We don't know. We're, we're dumb. Um, yeah. You know, we're the and, best people to be doing this podcast. It's and, Joan, John, Johnny, and Johanna. Then the, you know, Jack Kirby, after the, after the FF, leaves Marvel sort of angrily and goes to DC Comics for a better financial deal. And, and who knows? I mean, I, I personally don't know all the other reasons. I think it is documented. But he leaves Marvel sort of acrimoniously and goes to DC in the, you know, the early 70s and makes the new gods and stuff. But he does come back to Marvel in the late 70s, and one of the things is Stan and Jack do a big Silver Surfer special. No Galactus, just the Surfer going around the universe. And it's a lot of cosmic drawings and Stan just going nuts in the caption, just like the most purple prose, uh, although it's so enthusiastic that I love it. So we know that yeah. Stan is Stan is digging this. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, uh, they say that one of the reasons he gets mad, like in the latter half of Fantastic Four, he sort of stops inventing new characters. And part of that is because they started doing a surfer solo book and he wasn't involved in it. And he felt sort of hurt that this character that he created completely yeah, uh, was taken away from him. I, I guess I, I can understand it. Yeah. Um, okay, so the FF are in their headquarters because they, Reed is basically trying to do research to figure out what's going on, and the rest of the FF kind of are on hold until they know what they're actually up against. We get a nice Reed and Sue moment at the bottom of page uh, 14 <laughs> yeah, nice. that really lets us into their dynamic of their marriage. Uh, Sue yeah. checks in on Reed, and she says, Reed, look at you. You haven't even shaved. You must be starved. She's expressing love and affection, and Reed's yeah, answer good for is, her. Yeah, Reed's answer is, for the love of Pete, girl, is that what you've disturbed me for? And then he just turns off the TV. I say. Hangs up on her. Hangs up on her. I say she should run to Namor right there. Teach, teach Reed a lesson. Um, but that doesn't happen. She uh, goes to check up on him in person. Johnny looks out the window, and now the flames in the sky are gone, and the sky is filled with rocks. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, just floating boulders cover the sky. You can barely see any blue. It is less scary, I would say, than a, than a sky full of flame. I mean, if I had to pick, <laughs> yeah, I guess I prefer rocks. But it would, it would definitely disturb me. And on the heels of the flames, I would definitely be like, "This is bad." Yeah, this, this is, is it. This is bad news. Yeah, if these two things happen back to back, I would assume we were done. I would assume we were done. I mean, I would have to quick get a bunch of more episodes of my podcast out so I could wrap them up so that I could have that finished before the earth collapsed. Yeah, we'd have to record a couple episodes, just cover those last few issues for you listeners, and mm-hmm. then I'd get home to my wife and child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would go out and meet my wife and child and say, we got to hurry up. So um, uh, Sue, Sue charges into Reed's laboratory, and we see that he is hanging out with the Watcher. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. In his lab, the Watcher's just the wa- there. The Watcher's in Reed's lab, and he's holding some insane device that he calls a matter mobilizer, which we, we see that the Watcher is the one filling the sky with things. And he's using this just typically insane Jack Kirby machine. I mean, it looks like a kaleidoscope on LSD. 
Yeah, so this stuff in the sky has nothing to do with Galactus directly. It's, uh, the, it's watcher, the Watcher doing it. He's trying he's to doing hide it. the Earth. Yeah, just like the Skrulls did a blackout, the Watcher's trying to black out the Earth, which is big-time interfering. What do you think of the picture of the Watcher on page 16, panel 2, I guess, that sort of like intense, you know, yellow light, uh, dark shadows, eyes wider than Maximus? I mean— I think the Watcher looks different every single time he shows up, doesn't he? Yeah, he's definitely—he's changing. They can can't we, quite figure out how to draw this giant-headed bald dude. Let's let's try to win ourselves a no prize and say that the reason he looks different is that none of these looks are what his actual being is, but we can't perceive him. So the Watcher's always trying to look more calm and peaceful to the best of his ability. So he's kind mm, of adjusting. I don't think so. I don't I get a no prize. I don't get a has, no prize. Okay. I think the Watcher has signed up for like a, a queer eye for the straight guy from okay. the Watcher. So five... Queer Eye Watcher characters have shown uh-huh. up and given him a few redesigns. Give him a makeover and stuff like yeah, that. Okay, I'll, right. I'll, I'll, you get a no prize. We'll say that's what's <laughs> happening. Okay. Okay, so this And he's sort of mad that Reed and Sue haven't commented on it. Yeah, he's kind of like, oh, what do I have to do here to get these guys to notice? Yeah. You know what I mean? I've like, um, I've become more sheen and... <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm wearing more uh, white linen. I thought this would work. Yeah, I'm a little more babyish. Um... So we cut to the space, and the surfer is approaching Earth. It is covered in rocks, um, but the surfer is suspicious. Uh, it's already been hinted in the captions that he is looking for a planet with suitable resources for Galactus. So I, I forget if it's been said explicitly by now, but Galactus eats planets. Yeah, I don't know if it's been said yet either. Um, maybe the Watcher tells him... The surfer surfaces his way. Galactus, yep. He, uh, Silver is the advanced scout for Galactus. Galactus, who drains entire planets of their elements and then leaves them dry, unable to support life. Yep. Okay, so the Watcher is letting us know what's up. Galactus eats planets, and the Surfer is his... Um, scout. What's the, he has a term for it, though. Har- Harbinger? Uh, Herald. Yeah, but I don't think they call him that. Uh, Watcher refers to him as an advanced scout. He definitely becomes known as the Herald of Galactus. Because different people will fill that role in the future. That's right. Um, but right now, Surfer is the, is the Galactus's herald. So the Surfer knows something's up. He deftly surfs through the rock cover, and he comes beneath, and he sees the Earth conveniently landing on the headquarters of the protagonists of our book. Yes. He sees New York City filled with resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the, I guess what the Watcher needs from planets are cockroaches and <laughs> asphalt and yeah. bagels and, um, and subway sandwich shops <laughs> and 24-hour bodegas and a thriving music scene. And he's found it. He's found it. So the surfer sees the human torch and they sort of challenge each other. Yeah, not well. The, the torch can't keep up with him at all. The surfer has absolutely no problem getting around the human torch. I mean, this guy's been around planets all over the universe. Who knows what kinds of weird creatures he's dealt with. He lands on the planet and just instantly signals Galactus. And um, the Watcher uh, lets us know this is bad news. He has landed. He is signaling Galactus. We have failed. It is too late. The damage is done. We must plan our defense. But the thing still punches him off the building. Yeah, why not? The thing punches him, and he is able to knock the surfer off a building. He starts falling to the ground... And then Reed tries to catch him, and we don't even see what happens, and who cares? Galactus, in his big red ship bubble, is on the way to Earth. Yeah, we have another photo collage, a crazy one of the ship Galactus is in. Which I love. I mean, I'm loving this issue. Like, it is 
We started in the Inhumans' Great Refuge. We go to the sky filled with flames. We meet the Surfer. We're about to meet Galactus, the Watcher. I mean, Kirby just seems uh, fearlessly introducing huge, huge characters left and right. But I, I have to admit, it works. It feels really good. And um, on the last page, Kevin, what do we see? Uh, Galactus steps out of a ship. He's basically a tall dude. He's a huge uh, dude. He's really big, though. His design changes a lot, even through these first three issues. Um, his color scheme, at least in the, the printing we have, uh, is different than it will be in the next issue. And he's got like a G emblem on his chest, which goes away before we see him again. I mean, he'll wear that throughout this trilogy, but then we don't see that again because a G emblem for us, some extra planar species seems silly. Uh, but he still looks cool. He looks pretty cool. He's got one of the Kirby. Kirby loves elaborate headgear, as we've seen from Loki and Black Bolt's crown. And um, um, so Galactus has some crazy Kirby headgear where there's like, you know, you got your head and then the helmet keeps going for like another head and a half's. Yeah, and it's got, and it's got like antlers on it or whatever. Two big antlers that look vaguely Norse or maybe just deer-like. Yeah, um, what are the two? He's got he's red and green, so he looks kind of he looks like a, a Christmas kind of guy. He looks like elf or like an evil Santa, but that's going to change to purple by next issue. But he, he does look cool. I mean, he's oh, and he's got bare arms. He's you know, he's got like a t-shirt on and then kind of a harness on over that. Yeah, I so, think he'll lose his pants next issue and be. And he's wearing more like a, uh, a kilt. Um, so even what though, we're describing does not sound good. It does not sound good, and and I do think this is slightly worse than what he settles into next issue. But it looks good in that Jack Kirby way of this is original. Like, well, I wouldn't have pictured something like this. I mean, it doesn't, this doesn't look like of Earth. Doesn't look of Earth. He does look imposing. The name Galactus is scary. It's, I'm excited. Like, I want to know what this guy's deal is. I'm intrigued. I'll say it. Yeah, and he's like, what, 15 feet tall, it looks like, in this first picture? He, yes, I think that's right. I might, I might even go so far as 18 with the helmet. Yeah, yeah, right. 15 feet to the top of his head uh, and then 18 his to actual the top body. Of the yeah. Yeah. Um, and he does look intimidating. I mean, like, if this guy stepped out, particularly after the skies were burning and filled with rocks, you'd know he's bad news. He's bad news. Uh, I don't know. I'd give him a shot. Um, okay. <laughs> have him on the podcast. But that's how, yeah, oh man. If we could get Galactus on the podcast, you know we'd have to get him, right? If any of our listeners know Galactus and can uh, get him to call in, we'd love that. See what he thinks about um, Dr. Doom. You know, how did, he, how did he get into the Fantastic Four comics? Yeah, that's right. When was the first one he read? Why does he think they worked? Um isn't the watcher annoying? I would assume he thinks that. Yeah, sure, of course. But that's how okay. this issue ends. Yeah, so we started in the Inhumans' Great Refuge with the Earth on the verge of destruction. Turns out everyone just got knocked over. And we end with the Earth on the verge of destruction from a completely different th circumstance. A planet-eating god has arrived with his surfer associate. Yeah, this started before the FF even got home. It's crazy. They had no break. Um, so we move on to issue 49, this issue is titled If This Be Doomsday, the second of the three-issue Galactus trilogy, and we're in the middle of some epic stuff. Page one – oh, the, the cover is great. Uh, yes. The in cover this, is like Galactus looming over and shooting beams out of his hand. Um, and the FF running from him. The surfer just kind of flitting amongst Galactus's presence. 
Yeah, it's probably. I feel like I've. Do we have this cop issue? I don't. I don't think so. Do we have a copy of this issue? Yeah. I, I don't think so. Oh, it feels like something we we have, but I I don't know why I think that because if we had this, it'd be so valuable. <laughs> Maybe we had a reprint of it or something. Or yeah. I'm sure it's also the kind of cover that like somebody does homages to. You know what I mean? Like yeah, right. But I, I think Galactus always gets used for comedy purposes a lot because he's so uh, powerful. And just like insanely big that it'll be like Squirrel Girl versus Galactus. You know what I mean? Yes. Or like she took him down. And yeah, unbeatable. Yeah, she beats everyone. She's taking down Thanos, Doctor Doom, Galactus, Ultron. It's very funny. Um, but like you'll, you know, if there's like a lighter toned Marvel comic, you know, like um, who's the guy? Hembeck. Fred Hembeck will have like some comic that he draws. It'll be like a parody of this Galactus thing, but it'll be like, you know. Spider ham versus something. Yeah, right. I don't know. Anyway, we're 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 far we're far before Galactus getting parodied. We are here in an earnest Galactus tale, and this one's called "If This Be Doomsday." The splash page is FF Godzilla style, staring up at some monster, just aghast. Yeah, just real quick, the captions for this issue, written in the masterful banner of Stan Lee, illustrated in the magnificent mode of Jack Kirby. Inked in the majestic mood of Joe Sinnott. Lettered in the nick of time by S. Rosen. S. doesn't even get his name spelled out. No, it doesn't even get the Sam in there. He's just S. I mean, he yeah. did it. I mean, the world's about to end, but there's still some time for some credits jokes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, so the FF are watching, and they see the Watcher and Galactus kind of hanging out. They're sort of chilling <laughs> here in panel two. They're sort of like catching up. They look like buds in the break room. So, hey, did you see Breaking <laughs> Bad last night? Uh yeah, they're, just, they're catching up on their uh, elite television viewing habits. As you can see now in this, at least in this reprint, the coloring has put Galactus uh, with bare legs, shaved. He's purple. He's purple. Now his coloring has changed. He's still got the big G emblem. Uh, <laughs> Which looks insane. <laughs> and, you know, the Watcher's got his, like, robe, like, Roman style, like, draped over his arm. These look like two insane giants. Two insane giants, but they do, I mean, it's like, what is this comic? Um, here's a snippet of their conversation. Galactus says to Watcher, So, t'was you who conspired to hide this paltry world from the eyes of Galactus. Know you not that none may thwart my will? And the, uh, you know, that's throwing down some shade. And then the Watcher responds, Heed my words, pillager of the planets. This tiny speck of matter upon which we stand contains intelligent life. You must not destroy it. And Galactus rebuts, of what importance, uh, of what import are brief nameless lives to Galactus? You yep. know it's a villain when you third person yourself twice in two sentences. <laughs> uh, uh, FF are you, freaked out. Yeah, but they're just watching. I mean, they're just trying to take it in. There's a lot of info here. Yes. Uh, page three, we see Galactus kind of stepping up on the top of the Baxter building and sort of taking in Manhattan. He is an imposing figure. This is a scary story. He does look kind of like a Greco-Roman, I don't know, wrestling coach or something like that. Like he, he's just on the verge of looking foolish at at any time. It, it, he doesn't. This comic works. It's what Un, I love under about Jack. A, it's less, so a lesser pen, this comic would look terrible. Yeah, if Kirby described to somebody else, draw him like this, and then someone tried to do it, it would be like if you went to a police sketch artist <laughs> and tried to describe Galactus, what would come out of the pad would be like um, something out of like a 50s muscle mag. 
I do think when people wonder if Galactus would work in the movies, it's because of this look. It's just like, would this character make any sense in a movie? I mean, I think if you just covered up a little more skin, if you covered up his arms and his legs, <laughs> sure. it would, it would, it might, that might do it. Yeah, I don't, America's I don't not think ready ha- for a pantsless villain like this. It's just hard to say you're going to take over the world in shorts. I mean, you just look <laughs> casual. Uh, I don't think the helmet is a problem. I love the headgear. I think the helmet um, works, yes. I think the rest of it is a tough. It's a tough sell. Thing uh, tries to hit Galactus. You got to, I mean, much like the guy on the street just walking up to Thing and punching him in the face, Thing walks up to Galactus and punches him. In the calf, I think. In like the, in the right shin. Doesn't do anything. The Thing thinks, he didn't even feel it. My extra special Sunday punch. And it was like nothingville. Thank you, Stan. Thank you, Stan. Uh, and then the Watcher drops like a tiny little like pill that like gasses the thing. It's like basically they're he's fumigating. Is it the Watcher or Galactus who does that? I'm oh, sorry, the Galactus. Okay, so the, yeah, Galactus does it and sort of gasses the thing. Uh, Reed stretches and wraps up Ben to roll him away super fast. That looks rad. I love it. Yeah. Torch flames on, attacks Galactus. It does nothing. I mean, he covers Galactus in flames, and then Galactus shoots him with eye lasers. Yeah, it does nothing. The smoke emerges from whatever Galactus does, and it, like, smothers Johnny, and his flame goes out. He's covered in soot. He looks like Pigpen from Peanuts. He looks humiliated. Yeah, and then the Watcher's like, get out of here, guys. You can't stop this. The Watcher says that for Galactus. Yeah, there's nothing more you can do here. Return to the others. You shall hear from me anon. I mean, we're going full Shakespeare here. Yeah, and this is where Galactus finally refers to the surfer as his herald. Where is he? Where is my herald? I love that term, and if that is a stand choice, that is a good one. I mean, I I, I am making fun of this a little bit, but I do, I love I love this comic. So, <laughs> but at this point, the FF just go inside and take baths. Yeah, there's like nothing they can do. Reed is shaving. Ben is in a tub with a towel and soap. <laughs> I mean, they they are sort of taking five in a way. Yeah, they're just re they're re. Again, this sort of maybe feels like where the issue, last issue should have ended. Let's maybe regroup. We, maybe we are in a rhythm where Kirby on page six or seven ends the previous issue, sort of, and then be, sort of begins the action of this issue. Maybe, because yeah. here we are on page six. I mean, that sets you up with better endings in the sense of like, oh, I can't wait for next issue. But like the story is still, you're going to take, you're going to start the next story one second after the last panel. Uh, meanwhile, the surfer... In some weird coincidence, oh, because he, yeah, so the surfer got knocked over by Ben. We haven't yes. seen him since then. That's and right. He, and he coincidentally, coincidentally lands on the skylight of Ben's girlfriend, blind sculptress Alicia Masters, and he falls into the skylight of him. And she is into weird dudes, so she, she starts talking to him. She likes dudes who are elemental and made of things that are not skin. And he's like, collapsed on the couch, and but she just, you know, she's blind. She can't see it. She just knows that somebody needs help. She feels his face to see who it is and can tell that it's um, not a normal face, that it is a cosmic face. Yeah, and she makes him dinner. She makes him dinner, shows him some kindness. I mean, this is a very Marvel Comics move. Cosmic being on a surfboard falls into your living room. Hey, let's have some dinner. Yep. Let me, let me if anyone something. fell into your skylight, you should be a little more concerned. Yeah, even if it was just like... The window washer. Yeah, Alicia feels his face. Your face. Never have I sensed such unimaginable loneliness in a living being. Uh, the and then she goes, perhaps you're hungry. 
Uh, meanwhile, back at the Baxter building, Galactus is assembling some insane Kirby machine that he will use to drain the Earth of its resources. Oh, and it looks so cool. It looks so cool. And there's just parts flying through the air. Um, and it's, like, attached to the top of the Baxter building. It's got, like, almost, like, tentacles running down the sides of the building as it's sort of assembling itself. Yeah, it looks part H.R. Geiger and part American Graffiti. I would um I would read a comic. You've seen American was, Graffiti like a month ago or two weeks ago, and now two it's weeks in ago your, for the first time. I can't in, stop thinking about it. It's in I your analogies. I'm I'm using it literally all the time. Yeah. I can't believe that George. Look, I don't mean to overstate how good American Graffiti is. It is a very good movie, but what struck me about it was how unLucas like it seemed to me. I mean, it's I was just so surprised. Anyway. Kirby's machines are so fun. I, I think I would read a comic of just Kirby drawing machines and talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm sure he's done it. <laughs> his machines are, like, what he's, like, best at, I would say. Even better than God characters. His machines are so intricate and insane, but seem to do things. Um, they, they, seem don't look, they don't look functional, but they do look like... They almost are, look like animals. Like, they look like creatures in a way. Yeah, I guess I'm saying like every piece looks like it has a purpose, even if that purpose yes. is it's random and crazy. Yeah, he's good at it. Um, the FF are in the the Fantastic Three, Sans Johnny. Yes, are going up to the roof to see what device. I guess they're all cleaned up now and they're they're yeah, bathed, no. and so they <laughs> yes. they're ready to go back up and check what Galactus is doing. A little aftershave, and they're ready to go. Um, the Watcher stops them. Wait, you must reconsider. Your strength is not yet the equal of your courage. Before you press blandly forward, you must hear the words I speak. He seems to be talking down to them. He's not speaking as Shakespearean to them. Yeah, he'll save the word anon for uh, when he's around Galactus and maybe trying to impress Galactus. Yeah. It's like he's he's like, oh, I don't want to use a three-syllable word around the Fantastic Four. They won't get it. Yeah, yeah. I gotta gotta dumb it down for these these doofs. Uh, the, the, The FF are like, there's no time... Uh, I mean, there was time for us to take extensive baths, but now there's no time. <laughs> right. Um, the Watcher, like, summons an image to show him what is afoot, and he shows Galactus's machine at work on presumably some other planet. Yes, this is uh, some other non-interfering where the Watcher informs the Fantastic Four of all the information they need to know. And we see what the what Galactus does to planets, where, like, this device gets turned on and just sucks, like, all the oceans, sucks all the resources. Um and leaves a planet completely barren. It's like a dried husk that sort of just collapses in on itself. Yeah, unable to support life. And so mankind's only option here might be a mass evacuation of the entire planet. But there is something that can stop Galactus, and Watcher knows about it. Bear with me. I know of a machine, the like of which cannot be found on Earth. A machine which may save the human race. Reed says, where is it? We must have it. And we, a big, a big close-up on the watcher here at the bottom of page ten. Yeah, from lower lip to upper forehead. <laughs> Alas, uh, it is in a place that only the human torch can reach. Not since you, I, watcher. No, you can't, because since I am forbidden to actively participate in a crucial conflict other than what he's doing here, mm-hmm. it is he who must obtain it. Which That's is convenient. great news for our human torch correspondent, Alyssa. Is that no Shelley? Uh, Shelley. Um, uh, yeah, great news. Uh, the Human Torch is crucial here. We need him. Um, there's nobody else on Earth. And actually, at this time in the Marvel Universe, that might be right. This is before there's, like, all kinds of heroes. You know, maybe Ant-Man could do it. But Hey, Thor. Thor, okay, right. Um, Spidey couldn't do it, I don't think. No, I don't think Spidey could do it. you got to be able to fly, first of all. Yeah. So that limits it to, like, Angel, Thor, and the Human Torch. 
Um, and so Iron we cut, Man. We cut back to Alicia Masters and the Silver Surfer, and the Surfer's doing something that I think is rude. Yeah. I mean, instead of eating the dinner, he cat, he waves his hands over the table. A bunch of beams comes out, and he dissolves. It looks like the plates and food and everything. Yes. As he's saying, the process you term eating is far too wasteful. How much simpler it is to convert all these items into pure energy, for energy alone is power. I think In this it's manner, funny not you a single say, gram shall be wasted. It's odd that you say this is funny, Will, because last time you came over to my house, you did yeah. the same thing. Well, yeah, but it is less wasteful for me to convert all of your glassware into pure energy. It's just we had to rebuy all our cups and plates. But, Kevin, this process you call eating is wasteful. I'm trying to help you. And teach your son how to convert things into pure energy for your consumption. I'm just saying, this is why we can't invite you over as often. It takes us a long time to rebuild our belongings. <laughs> Give me a chance. Give me a chance. Uh, anyway, Alicia uh, is sort of confused by this action. Uh, she instantly kind of, without a, you know, Surfer makes reference to Galactus and Galactus reducing everything to sheer energy. Alicia catches up right away with what's going on. You mean it in some mad, unbelievable, nightmarish way. You mean it. You intend to destroy the earth. Alicia goes into full begging mode, pounding She's, on his chest. That's right. And makes she, a big speech. Yeah, she gets really emotional. Uh, and She's like in our just hands clutched into fists, screaming at him. Perhaps we are not as powerful as your Galactus, but we have hearts. We have souls. We live, breathe, feel. Can't you see that? Are you as blind as I? And this does have an impact on the surfer. Um, He responds, never have I heard such words, sensed such courage, or known this strange feeling, this new emotion. He's kind of like one of these, like, um, data characters, like from Star Trek, Spock, like, who's emotionless, but actually is instantly moved by any slight show of emotion by anybody at any time. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't care about that, but I do. Um, yeah, he goes, at a- last I know beauty. Yep, she teaches him what beauty is, but he turns away. No, no, he serves Galactus. He's got he's to gotta do his gig. Yeah. Uh, Alicia indicates for him to look out over the people on the, on, the, on the city and say, look at the city below, look at the people. Each of them is entitled to life, to happiness. Each of them is human. But Surfer is, he's, 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 he's uh, checking out. He's like, human? Yeah. What can that word mean to me? Oh, no, but he's moved here. Yet, he's moved. He learns another emotion real quick. Never have I beheld a species from such close range. Never have I felt this new sensation, this thing some call pity. I mean, isn't the Surfer also moved by, he seems, he looks humanoid? I mean, isn't he like, these <laughs> yeah. people do look like me. Like, it's not we like it's a planet full of blobs. We also learn his backstory later, and he used to be a life being that begged for his planet to be spared, so he should get it. But I think um, he has forgotten that. I think the cosmic powers made him forget his past temporarily. You get another no prize. Uh, or um, when he got the uh, queer eye, people visited him. Well, he also had queer eye people visit yeah, him? Yeah, yes. They were like, to make yourself cooler, pretend that you are emotionless. That's in right now in the Silver Surfer world. <laughs> I mean, Surfer does have style. Also, is this uh, Superman and Clark Kent? I mean, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and their daughter in panel two on page 12? Um, it does look a lot like Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and their now existing daughter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Cool crossover. Yeah. Superman's not doing anything, though. Wimp. Yeah, he's just watching. He's like, the FF got it. I'm on vacation. Uh, I'm on vacation in another universe. <laughs> That's right. Um, so Galactus is just about to finish his machine. Oh, and he does finish it. Yes. And Kirby um, Dot's flare. 
Oh, we got the Kirby Crackle going like nuts. It's great. Uh, Kirby Crackle being the fun term, or Kirby Dots being the fun term for the constant beams of energy that are always floating around Kirby devices. However, Will, it doesn't work completely. The converter does not roar. It is not operating, says Galactus. Yes, and what is happening? Maybe I cannot remember. Oh, the thing is ripping. You turn to the next page and you see the thing just ripping it apart. It totally surprised Galactus. He whacks Galactus off the top of the Baxter building with something, which is the first time Galactus has sustained any impact. Yes. Uh, Although he's instantly floating in the air and he's fine. But Ben did get him by surprise. Yeah, and then Reed bounces off him as a big ball. Yeah, so that's got to sting. Or at least it's humiliating. I think Jack Kirby's like, we haven't had a new character in a while, like two pages. So let's um, summon another one. And Galactus summons up to his ship, and some little creature that called the Punisher comes down, which looks like some sort of humanoid robot drone with a miner's helmet. Yes. And this is a good place for us to take a break. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we'll take a break, and we will be right back. Uh, This is Will and Kevin from Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. And hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, maybe try listening to our first season. Yeah, maybe. We started this podcast by doing a whole season, 50 episodes, all about Spider-Man comics. We even did it under a different name. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. And we did one episode for each issue of the original comic book run. That was done by Spidey's creators, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Plus, we spent time talking about the Spider-Man movies, the recent video game, one on Steve Ditko, one on Stan Lee, and lots of other fun stuff. And all those episodes are still up. They should be part of the same feed you use to get this podcast. So, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, check those out. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. But in this case, we're just talking about the first season where we talk about Spider-Man. All from Campfire Media. And we are back. We Kevin. are back. The Punisher, which is not the skull-wearing, t-shirt, gun-wielding vigilante that you folks might be familiar with, but is some sort of weird troll-like robot man. Who I think never gets used again after this issue. I don't think so. He's en route, but we cut away to Johnny Storm, who's hanging out with the Watcher. And uh, he wants to help his teammates, but the Watcher's like, no, I have a mission for you. He takes out yet another device that's got like a little hypodermic needle at the end of it with a bubble points it at Johnny and it transports him to some dimension and it looks fearsome whatever transportation process is happening it looks painful he's like screaming and he turns all red and he dissipates and then he emerges in a black void yes uh, I love this and then and Johnny he has to, is, yeah he's sort of the watcher can talk to him while he's there and the, the watcher's sort of giving him directions you know again not interfering directly but just Telling a guy what to do. Yeah, telling a person step-by-step instructions on how to defeat Galactus. We start to get into a, um, one thing I love about Kirby is not just the machines, not just the array of characters, not just the um, awesome composition of art, but it's the chance for Stan Lee to come up with a lot of proper nouns of the of the celestial things that get found. You know what I mean? Terms, names. Yeah. And uh, Johnny... Um, is he's flying through the celestial barriers known as unlife. There's like some snake energy beams. To touch them is to perish. So he has to dodge through them all. Which he does easily. He's Johnny nope. Storm. Uh, then he, he's past the final dimensional curtain. Um, he has reached the home planet of Galactus, which is a space station. Yeah, it's like sort of a, a amoebus, oh, no. amoebus strip, right? Amoebus, moebus? How do you say that word? Mobius strip. Mobius, thank you. It's a Mobius strip ship, it looks like. 
some kind of Escher drawing, some sort of paradox. I guess there's Galactus' home planet. The space station is not the home planet. It is outside of his home planet. Yes. I, I, uh, I don't know which, I don't know which uh, it is. But it's unclear. You have ever known or imagined is the indescribable home planet of Galactus, dot, 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 a gargantuan space station. So he seems to be saying that space station is the home planet. Okay, well. There just are he, lots of planets floating around it. He's drawn like 20 planets here around the space station, so I don't, it's hard to know. Yes. Um, I guess they're moons because there seems to be a planet there. I don't, I don't know what's happening. One of them has so many rings around it, it's crazy. Kirby <laughs> just, I mean, I, again, I, Kirby's turned into a being of light. He's, he's drinking coffee like mad. He's just like, more rings, more rings. Yeah. Uh, the Punisher shows up. The Punisher hilariously is like four feet high. <laughs> he's like half the height of the thing. Destroy them, Punisher, and like some little Oompa Loompa shows up here um, and goes running at the thing. And he is strong, though, right? Yeah. He takes, well, it, he can it's take one of those things, things where he doesn't, look, he doesn't look scary, but it's one of those things where everybody's, everybody's telling us that it's scary. He's faster than the thing. He's like punching the thing a lot. Like on the next panel page, he starts like vibrating super fast. And he's handling the Fantastic Three very easily. Well, the, vi- the, the panel two on page 18 where he's like starts the vibration mode is pretty fun. Yeah, it looks yeah, like he's, he's got 12 arms and, and speed he, lines and like Reed has been spun out and the thing is getting knocked over. Um, Sue temporarily saves the day by surrounding them with a force field that the Punisher is not able to break. Yes. Uh, although he is, he is making impressions on it. You get the feeling that he will eventually be able to break it down, but... Yeah, but then the Galactus, Galactus goes, calls him off. Yeah, Galactus goes, go home. Punisher. Enough, loyal one. And we maybe never see him again in Marvel Comics history. Although, maybe some somebody in the aughts took this character and did a 10-issue miniseries that I'm forgetting about. Yeah, I, sure, I don't sure. remember seeing him again. Maybe the Punisher so, faced the Punisher. That'd be a cool uh, story. Yeah, good, good character with a huge legacy versus this one guy that showed up in the 60s. Um Okay, so the FF are a little distraught, which I understand. Nothing they're doing is working. Meanwhile, Alicia is really trying to tell Surfer to defy Galactus, and she she does it, right? She talks him into it. Yeah, perhaps, human, you were not totally wrong, is what uh, the Surfer says. Perhaps for the first time within memory, he says as he leaps onto his surfboard, I have found something something worth protecting, even though it means... I must do battle with the master. Um, and he is basically saying he's going to go fight Galactus. And the watcher, at the, as we near the end of this issue, the watcher tells us, oh, this is, I didn't anticipate this. I did not anticipate the surfer to turn on the watcher. But watcher's like, that might interfere with the plan I have set into motion with the torch. So even though the surfer means to protect Earth, he might inadvertently cause Earth's total destruction. And that's the end of the issue. Yeah, the watcher's given a little... Um uh, latter day Orson Welles look here at the very end. He does, yeah, he looks touch of evil. Yeah. Uh, but you know what, Kevin? This issue is great. Yeah, this was a great issue we just read. Um, these two issues in a row were just spectacular. Should we move on to the final one? Yeah, and this is another issue where it'll sort of wrap up halfway through. <laughs> Which is strange because it's been this epic battle, sort of the iconically epic battle of all of Marvel comics. This becomes like what is referred to to describe other battles later in Marvel Comics. It's so iconic. But it finishes about seven pages into this issue. And this and then is Johnny, also and then issue goes 50, right? This is issue 50. You'd think it would be like an oversized, you know, explosive finale. But yep. uh, it's about half a story because we got to get Johnny meeting his college buddies. <laughs> 
So issue 50, we open on the surfer approaching Galactus to battle, and Galactus is operating his, like, energy-sucking machine, and the Fantastic Three, Sans Johnny, are cowering inside of Sue's force shield, powerless. Also, just to, not to a sign that at least Stan knew that this story was something else, though he maybe would say this for a bad issue as well, it says, peerless pageantry at the peak of proud perfection. That seems a little more chest puffing than he normally gives. It doesn't feel quite as silly. I think he's excited. I think he knows that he's got a winner here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, compared to the issues of like the first 20, which were just a bit more ragtag and felt improvised, the Fantastic Four as a comic book at this point is a perfect machine of like amazing characters, uh, great heroes, and just Jack Kirby at full power. Yes. Um, I mean, this is one of the greatest superhero stories that's ever been made. Yeah, but um, as typical in a great FF story, the FF sort of get regulated, uh, not regulated, relegated ooh. here for a little bit because it just becomes a surfer versus Galactus. Yeah, it does end up in the great FF stories that they're sort of watching other civilizations do something. You know, whether it's Atlantis or the Skrulls or the Inhumans, they're always kind of just watching some other freaky deaky people duke it out. Yeah. Um, okay, so we they are in a force shield. Surfer takes on his boss. Yes. Um, Galactus is shocked. Energy bolts directed at me. It's unthinkable. You, who've spanned the galaxies with me, felt the winds of space caress your brow in my service. You have chosen to betray me now. I, I guess we should also say that Stan Lee is unleashed. Like the the kind of outlandish prose that he likes to do, the hyperbolic descriptions it is suitable when you're trying to describe a planet sucking creature and his otherworldly supernatural surfer dude so yeah. stanley can just go nuts like nothing is restrained yeah betray you never but in truth i should betray myself if i did not fight to prevent the annihilation of a people for here on this lonely little world i have found what men call conscience master <laughs> say we may leave this world my heart grieves at battling one with whom I shared a universe. Now, I don't, I do not believe that Star Wars copied these comics, but it reminds me of sort of like Luke versus Vader, you know, like trying to convince Darth Vader to to turn away from the dark side, kind of talk, you know. A lot of a lot of Kirby stuff reminds me of Star Wars. I I I think I don't I don't think that Lucas copied Kirby as much as they were both inspired by similar things. There is that kind of operatic feel that I love. I mean, we also have no idea how much of this was thought out when the first issue, when 48 came out, when the surfer got knocked off that building. Was that the end of the surfer? Just like the Punisher got sort of sucked away last issue. And then when he sat down with Stan, Stan's like, well, the surfer's got to come back. Right. We don't we don't know how much of this was thought out. Yeah. Um, so even, uh, even the surfer turning on Galactus, was that planned? Probably maybe. not. When the Watcher says, here's a plot thing I did not anticipate, that could have been Stan and Jack being like, we didn't think this was going to happen. Yeah. There's a cool visual here where the, the surfer's attack on Galactus has encased him in like a stone cocoon. That's right. And he's temporarily trapped and Ben tries to touch it and he's filled with force and it hurts. Uh, I think that's in the Hanna-Barbera cartoon, that, that, that little sequence. But Galactus breaks out of it. Yeah, he explodes out of it, climbs out of it, and then Furious. surfers shoot more beams at him. Uh, but Galactus is maybe a little bit ready for him. Um, you have served me well in the past. You shall do so again. All eternity awaits me. I can afford to be patient. Can you not see how easily my impenetrable absorba shield deflects Trademark. your foolish 
Rays of Starfire. Yeah, absorb a shield, trademark. More proper <laughs> nouns. Keep them coming, Stan. I want names for everything. Give me a title for every little thing that we see. Yeah, but then Galactus starts shooting beams at the surfer and fireballs at the surfer. I mean, they're probably wrecking city blocks in this fight. A uh, surfer thinks blasts of solar destructogen, but surely he knows how easily I can avoid them. And Galactus is. I am aware of your skill, Harold. I have seen you dodge the meteor swarms of space. I have taken pride at the manner in which you have hurtled the comets. But now you face a far greater obstacle. Now you face Galactus. And he spreads his fingers out and huge beams come out, which turn into like flame comets. Yeah. Swear allegiance to me once more, Harold. I have no wish to cause you harm. And yet you would <laughs> obliterate an entire planet with no trace of misgiving. They are not happy with each other. This They're is not a, this happy. Is a, they need a, a, a relationship counseling. So Reed turns to yeah, Reed turns to the watcher and is like, "What what, what can we do here? <laughs> we, yeah, this is this is bad news." Um, but the I mean the prose here is crazy. We get an insane close up of the watcher. It's zoomed right in on his eyes and nose. He's all in red, and the watcher tells uh, Reed that basically he's in touch with the Human Torch, who is doing something that can save the day. Yeah, he's been guiding the torch this whole time. I love the, the Watcher's speech here. As for me, I do not stand silent, motionless, due to lack of concern. Long have I cherished the stumbling, bumbling, but always aspiring human race. It's so fun. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could easily, it'd be fun to do an improv show where you had to talk in like this crazy Stanley dialogue at all times. Like, that would be exhausting. It, yeah. Maybe a 15 minute show. Just like, just like Stan and Jack characters, everybody constantly declaring full emotional uh, commitment to taking over life systems or whatever. Yeah. Oh, we cut back to the torch. Yes. And he is still in this sort of otherworldly space area. He's coming back. Yeah. He's, he has returned. He go, he gets transported back the same way we saw him go through this kind of red Kirby crackle, which yeah. looks fantastic. It looks like, I mean, I know he's a character who can set himself on fire, but he looks like he is burning alive. Yep. Uh, but now he lands on the roof of the Baxter building. I'm back. I'm back. He looks exhausted. The Watcher did it. He guided me to the other side of the universe. He brought me through infinity. Right. And the thing in sewer, like, are you okay? And Reed is like, what do you got? Yeah, Reed is a jerk. Yeah, Reed's like, did you get me a souvenir while you were away? Johnny's mind is blown here on the top of page seven. Yes. I travel through worlds so big, so big, there aren't words. Ben goes, the kid's in shock. <laughs> yeah. And then Johnny's like, we're like ants, just ants, ants. It seems like maybe stands a little out of his depth at trying to portray what somebody would look like going through an existential crisis. But yes. uh, we, 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 we get the gist. I mean, there's also like by the end of this issue, Johnny's fine. He's no worse for the wear. So whatever People trauma he went through, he gets over fast. People recover really quickly. Hey, Meanwhile, at least he's not thinking about Crystal. Yeah, that's true. It got his mind off his troubles. Uh, nothing like a, a planet sucking God to make you stop worrying about your freaking girlfriend. Okay, so Johnny has brought back some little device. Yes. Reed immediately starts fiddling with it. Yes, and the watcher's like, uh, don't. Yeah, you must never turn the control of it or full power. It could erase the entire solar system in one microsecond. It's yeah. like, all right, give us a heads up. Yeah. Also, um, don't just start flipping switches when you get a thing, Reed. It's not cool. It's like, it's like a kid on Christmas. Um, Surfer is still battling Galactus. Yeah, they're going um, at they're, it. They're making like crystal pyramids in the top of lots of buildings. Yes. Uh, Galactus is getting fed up. Um, he's about to lay some like killing blow. I guess he wanted to not kill the Surfer up to now. He just wanted to subdue him. Yeah, they're but friends. Now he's, now he's fed up and he's going to kill him. 
I can tarry no longer. Galatius yields to none. Upon your own head shall be your fate. I regret what I must do, for of all who live, I have cherished you the most. But now by my hand, the silver surfer must perish. It is kind of Shakespearean here. Like, I know it's corny and purple, but it feels... I mean, I love this story. Yeah, I love it. this works for us. Obviously, we're suckers for this. And then an yeah. arm stretches into the panel. <laughs> no, Galactus, it is you who will perish, for we have found the weapon at last. Galactus looks scared. Yeah. Uh, he's jumping back. His big G on his chest doesn't look so big no more. <laughs> and he says, the ultimate nullifier in the hands of a human. And so we have a name for this device. It this is the device, ultimate nullifier. becomes like a Marvel epic uh, invention. This item is brought back, referenced for the rest of time. Um, in the name of the eternal cosmos, put it down. Your feeble mind cannot begin to comprehend its power. You hold the means to destroy a galaxy, to lay waste to a universe. And uh, Reed is not. Reed does not back down. Should the universe crumble, can Galactus survive? Yeah, he's like, yeah, fuck you, man. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Galactus turns to Watcher. He knows he did this. He yells at him. The Watcher is not sorry. Um, oh man, these next two pages look so good. Pages nine and ten. <laughs> just, yes. just big panels, right? Like, because yeah, you need so these vertical panels to fit all of Galactus's head. Up till now, it's been mostly six panels or in the six panel range for most pages. But then we have these a four page, a four panel page, and a two panel page. Jack can't just fit everything into these small panels anymore. Uh, Galactus and Watcher have a little debate. Galactus basically agrees to leave. He can't fight the ultimate nullifier. Yes. But, so he's going to leave, so we think that we've won, but there is, there is a cost. Yes. There's one um, thing that must be done, Galactus says, and he looks and he at shoots, the surfer. Oh, and red eye beams shoot through the surfer, looking, seeming like it wounds him. But what he's really doing is he's saying the surfer will shall roam the galaxies no more. It looks like he killed him, but he, what he's saying is I have removed your space-time powers. So you still can fly around and do crazy silver surfer stuff, but you basically cannot leave Earth. Like, you loved Earth so much, you're stuck here. Yeah. And for a long time, this is his status quo. He is stuck on Earth. Uh, it's a very fitting and poetic ending. And then Galactus takes his leave in a very theatrical departure. Yeah, he like basically turns into like red glowing, uh, crackling energy. And it's one of these things where this all-powerful creature tells humans they have great potential if they don't kill themselves, which is like, that's a real sci-fi villain move. Yeah. Um, but it's fun, though. The game has eluded. The prize has eluded me. Oh, no, the game has ended. The game is ended. The prize has eluded me. And at last I perceive the glint of glory within the race of man. Be ever worthy of that glory, humans. Be ever mindful of your promise of greatness. I mean, this comic is rad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are just swinging their bat for the fences every single time they do a panel in this. Uh, and they're hitting. They're making contact. It is an interesting story because, like, the you know, human race stopped Galactus, but it was the Watcher and Alicia who were the main reasons that Galactus got stopped. Yeah, the FF are not. This is something Ramsey pointed out in our interview last episode. They're not active protagonists here. Yeah, they're they're, they're holding on. They're reacting to stuff. Like the torch's powers were necessary, so maybe he was helpful. But the other three mostly distracted Galactus while everything else went down. Um, Galactus vanishes, his machine vanishes, I assume the ultimate nullifier vanishes, the Watcher's gone. Suddenly, Earth is okay. Like, we're saved on page 11. Yep. We've got nine more pages, but it's wrapped up. 
Uh, the surfer is now trapped on Earth. He kind of sneaks up behind Ben inadvertently. Ben goes, what's the matter with you? Don't you know better than to go sneaking up behind a guy? Yeah, that's a really funny panel. Just yeah. the surfer kind of peeking out behind the thing. The surfer goes, what is really troubling you, my friend? Things like, quit talking so blasted nice. Can't you see him trying to dislike you? That's funny. It is funny. And then uh, the surfer has kind of already settled into this, like, he's like this zen, peaceful observer type. He, he is kind of like a peaceful Spock. Like, like a, a sur- Spock hippie or something. A little bit like a surfer dude. Like a surfer dude, yeah. He's like into philosophy. He's like, oh, relax, man, relax. Alicia is here and she thanks the surfer and says she knew that he was noble and he would make the right decision and Thing is jealous. Yeah, she runs right run pat, right past the Thing to like talk to the surfer and the Thing sort of walks away. Uh, he talks like a poet, thinks the Thing. She's listening like it's the first time she's ever heard a guy speak to her. I can't even get mad. He didn't try to beat my time it just happened anyway if i was alicia who would i pick a gleaming gladiator like him or an ape like me face it ugly it ain't no contest yeah thing gets sad fast i love it i love uh, sad thing uh but then alicia gets like wants to introduce the surfer to the thing i guess she still loves ben yeah and then but the thing is gone she like turns around like ben is gone and she's like oh where'd he go and then the surfer flies away the surfer wants to explore the rest of earth then we have like a page of just like newspapers. Right. The The main story is done. Page 14 is just the news reporting. Oh, you see the Daily Bugle headline? Yes. Here? The Daily Bugle headline. J. Jonah Jameson says the Galactus is a hoax. Publisher, Publisher. calls Galactus hoax. Editorial by J. Jonah Jameson. He is the funniest part of this comic and he's not even in it. Um there's another newspaper that says Galactus vanishes. The FF won't comment, which I think is weird. Yeah. Um, and we see a character that we're going to see next issue, uh, some unnamed, unknown, bald dude who is evil and planning bad things for FF. But we'll see him next issue. Yeah, only he has the power, he tells us. But first, we've got to spend four or five pages at Johnny's New College. Yeah, so we, we slow it way down. <laughs> yeah, way, way, way down. And This um, is a we, different book. We've now just yeah. cut to Strange Tales uh, featuring the Human Torch. Okay, and we see, and we meet some, we meet some sort of side characters. There's a Whitey Mullins who is like a. Um, There's side football. characters that don't really play into the story ever, though. It looks like we're setting up to have like a soap opera stuff, but we don't use them too much. There's a washed-up football coach who has to take attitude from his star player, but that that really doesn't get played out in the future. Not really. Um, uh, Reed and Sue are fighting a little bit because he's too busy working on some device and not talking to her, right? Yeah, he's working on stuff. He's working on stuff to pre- pre- prevent future Galactuses, but he's just yelling at her. Sue, what are you doing here? How many times have I told you not to pussyfoot in on me while I'm working? You might have been hurt, which be- is awful. It's awful. Uh, I'm for I'm for Reed and Sue's divorce and this, and I want Sue to be with Namor or anybody, a Wyatt Wingfoot or Black Panther. You know, she deserves oh, better. She and Black Panther would be a great fit. Okay, so the thing is depressed. He's depressed by the how much Alicia like the surfer. He's wandering the streets. He scares somebody, and that depresses him more. The thing is into full sad mode. That sets us up for next issue too. Yeah, uh, Johnny's we, getting to school and he meets Wyatt Wingfoot, who's gonna he is gonna become a running character in this series. Yeah, Wyatt Wingfoot is Johnny's roommate and soon to be best friend. I would say. 
He's a Native American who's a student at the school, and yeah, they, and he is huge. He's two heads taller than John. Yeah, and I mean that's where that football plotline was all about. The football player wants Wyatt Wingfoot to play football, but it doesn't really pay off at all. Oh, to to take the place of this attitude athlete that they're yeah, dependent yeah. on. Torch is still dreaming of his trip to get the ultimate nullifier. He's like, how can I pay attention to college when I did all this crazy stuff? And I think that is a completely fair question. Yes, I don't think Johnny needs to go to college. Yeah, I don't think it's what. I mean, I'd, far be it for me to say don't go to college, but don't go to college if you were a superhero. <laughs> and super established also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if you're a Steve Ditko character, you should go to college because you got to keep that internal human life going. But if you're a Jack Kirby character, you don't need it, baby. If you got laser blasts, you got everything you need. We also have a brief cutaway to Crystal. Oh, yeah, he misses Crystal. He misses Crystal. And we cut to see Crystal who misses the human torch. She's pounding on the inside of the negative zone, missing Johnny. Um, And so... Um, yeah. Johnny and there's, Wyatt are going to go to their dorm room or something like there's that. There's a very funny moment where the dean who's talking to Johnny and Wyatt goes, that's all I have to say at this time, gentlemen. If you have any questions in the future, please feel free to call on me. And Johnny thinks, I was daydreaming all the time he spoke to us. Yeah. So Johnny didn't hear a thing. The dean the dean made like a special meeting with them, and Johnny ignored him. Um, so the dean said something about Wyatt Wingfoot, but we don't hear it yet. We'll learn, we'll learn in the future. And so, <laughs> Do we? Um, well, that he's a football star or something. I don't know. But um, <laughs> that wraps up the issue. And so that's the end of the Galactus trilogy. Yeah. And this is also the first story that didn't end like on a cliffhanger in a long time. Yeah. We, we take a breath here. Yes. Um, you know, from the, since the beginning of the Inhuman saga, we haven't had this. So it's been a really long stretch. And next issue is sort of a complete done in one tale. And then we start kind of having some more cliffhangers again. Right. Uh, next issue is maybe the greatest single... Jack Kirby issue of the whole series, st- standalone? Yes, I think so. This man, this monster. And then followed by the Black Panther. I mean, he is on a roll. Right? Yeah, yeah, this I mean, is it's a, crazy. This is a good stretch. Um, the Inhumans, followed by Galactus, followed by this man, this monster, followed by Black Panther. I mean, dude, you're changing you're changing the landscape of superhero comics. Yeah, and this is in the 40s and 50s of the issues. Like this comic has been going on for for almost uh four yeah, for four years, right? It would be like if you watch The Sopranos and in season four, he joins the mob. It's like it's like it took this long to like become the show you needed to become, but that's, or, that's what happened. Or even just like, ah, this, like the, yeah, The Sopranos is this really good show. And then season five, you're like, this is the best season of anything. Yeah. No shows do that. No right. shows hit their stride five seasons in. Right. Because, well, I don't, don't think, you know, most mass market things don't have the freedom to change and evolve but marvel comics is just stan and jack and steve so they can kind of do whatever they want um so so that's what we're covering today will all right so do we have any email we can we've gone pretty long do you want to save them or do you want to do them let's let's save them because we have gone very long so we'll, we'll try to get to them next episode all right. But Kevin, great job. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so glad we finally covered these. Yeah, we might need some time to decompress all these stories. Uh, I feel like we haven't done any fantastic chats or anything like that because we're just so deep in these issues. Uh, we have some special episodes coming up. We're going to have some guests that we interview. We did Ramsey last episode, and we have some other guests we're going to do. Um, and, th- you know, at this point, we've blown our structure all to heck. So if we want to do something different, we might we might do it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, Maybe so, we just do this man, this monster next episode and then do email and catch up or something. Um, I think we can cover the Black Panther, too. I don't think Black Panther is as dense as what we just covered. Nothing yeah. is as dense as what we just covered, basically. Right, right, right. Um, 
Okay, well, um, uh, we'll uh, listeners, we'll see you next episode hey, where we talk about... Before yeah. we do that, remind everyone how they can follow us. Oh, yes. So um, if you want to email us but anything, certainly if anybody's read the Galactus Trilogy, we really want to hear your thoughts on it. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail. That's left over from when we were a Spider-Man podcast. And um, you can also see snippets from these comic books on our Instagram, uh, screwitcomics. And uh, we also have a Twitter account, Screw It Comics. Uh, last, last episode, we interviewed a guy who had collected every issue of the Fantastic Four, and he sent us a photo of his collection, which is amazing. So, Kevin, I assume we'll put that on our Instagram? Yeah, we'll definitely put that on. That'll have been put on by the time people hear this. But if you haven't followed us, it's worth following our Instagram just to see this guy's collection of every issue of FF. It looks rad. Yeah, um, it's great. It's great. Yeah, so that's how you can get in touch with us. Kevin, have I left anything out? No, now you've covered everything. <laughs> okay, great. Um, well, good job, Kevin. Yes, Will, you also did a good job. And um, I'll see you all, hear you all next episode. Bye, I, everybody. I will see you anon. See you anon. Bye. Bye. Screw it, screw it. Just about comics. I'm Kate Thompson. And I'm Mark David Christensen. And together we host, ah, oh, crap, a Hellboy podcast. The show dedicated to the half-demon hero brought forth by writer-artist Mike Mignola and published by Dark Horse Comics. Each week we discuss everything Hellboy. Plus his expanded universe with the BPRD, Abe Sapien, Lobster Johnson, and many more. That's, ah, oh, crap, a Hellboy podcast on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.